Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Numbers, the book of Numbers in your Old Testament, and the chapter 21, the book of Numbers, and the verse 21, or chapter 21, excuse me, and the verse 5 we're going to read from. Numbers 21, we'll read from the verse 4 to get some context, and then from the verse 4. And this is speaking of the children of Israel, Numbers 21 and verse 4. And they journeyed from Mount Hor uh, by the way of the Red Sea uh, to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. See, the people were traveling and uh, the king of Edom hadn't allowed them to go through Edom. And therefore they had to pass round and the children of Israel, they began complaining. And we see in verse 5 that they speak against Moses. Listen to what it says here. And it says, And the people spake against God and against Moses. This is what they said. Wherefore have ye brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. The people begin to complain. They begin to murmur. They've been taken out of Egypt where they were in slavery because, because they'd been there for many years and they had cried out to the Lord to take them out of Egypt. And the Lord had heard their prayer and had led them out by, their, by God's servant Moses of Egypt. And they were safe from this slavery and they were on the way to the promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey. And the people on the way, because of the journey, they begin to complain. And they're now saying, as you read in that verse, why have you brought us out of Egypt? Verse 6, the Lord's angered. The Lord's not happy with this. It says, and the Lord sent, fire, sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld or when he looked at the serpent of brass, he lived. Just one verse, please, from the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John in chapter 3 and the verse 14. The Gospel of John and the chapter 3. And the verse 14. And this is the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. Of course, a couple of verses later, he, he says the most famous verse that's ever been known for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have ever, everlasting life. But just before that, the Lord Jesus refers to this story that we've just read in the Old Testament. John chapter 3 and verse 14. And this is what the Lord Jesus says. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... 
Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Look and live. That's what I want to speak to you under the title of this title this evening. Look and live. I wonder if you ever lost something. And when you went to look for it, you simply can't find it. I think a few of you already in the fellowship have discovered that I mustered with my car keys. I set them anywhere and you've probably found me looking under pews after services and under the pulpit and in the prayer room and everywhere. I have a habit of losing my car keys and I will tell you now this evening that that is something I inherited from my father. Him and I would, would, would be seen looking for our car keys and sometimes our wallet um, all the time. And maybe what would happen is you would look under all the sofas in the house and you're looking for this thing you've lost down the sides of cushions and you're trying to retrace your steps and you think where you possibly last had that, that item. But then someone finds it and maybe it's somewhere really obvious. And they say to you, if you just looked more carefully, you would have found it. And tonight I would like to take time, uh, I would like you to take time and I would like you to think about your life and think about where you're looking for satisfaction, looking uh, for contentment. I want you to think about the places where you go, the things that you use to try and bring you happiness. And I want to ask you in those things so far that you've looked to, I want to ask have they ever brought you full satisfaction Or has it always left you wanting more? Maybe you're like Nicodemus, who in John chapter 3, which we read together, he came to the Lord Jesus, and he was a religious man. And maybe you come to the meetings, or you listen online religiously. Maybe you enjoy the company here, and the fellowship together after the meetings, and the chat, and you enjoy being part of a church. But you know in your heart of hearts that you haven't given your life to Christ. Maybe you're looking for the contentment to be able to say, well, at least I attended church. At least I came alone. Surely God will let me into heaven. But that's not the case. Maybe you look for contentment and true happiness in friends and family. And truly our families do bring us great joy much of the time. But at times we can even be let down by our friends and our family. What about your career or your business? Is that where you look for contentment in life? There's no problem with being successful in your profession. But I wonder is that where you're seeking and looking for contentment? You know I've shared this with you before about the story of William Randolph Hearst and how he was a very rich man who lived in America in California. And how he had such great riches and he wanted a particular painting and he told his agents to go off and look for it. Because he wanted this, it would fulfill him, it would make him happier. And he went and his agents, they went off right around the world looking for this painting. And they came back with bad news and said, we can't find it. We can't find it. Then eventually what happened is one day these agents, these people who worked for him, they were in the storehouse. And they find this particular painting that he'd been looking for. He already owned it. It was already available to him. You know, there was a farmer. 
And he was, saw all these from the continent of Africa. And he saw all these people. And they were coming into the continent of Africa. And they were finding great, great riches in diamonds as they mined for diamonds. And they were becoming millionaires. And this farmer, he gave up on his farm and he decided, I want to be rich and I'm going to sell my farm and I'm going to go off and I'm going to find these diamonds and I'm going to be rich. So he sold his farm and off he went and he couldn't find anything and was never contented and never found these diamonds. But the man that he sold his farm to one day was marching or walking around the land and there was a little stream that flowed through the farm and as this man who had bought the land was walking along it he saw a strange looking stone at the bottom of the stream and he lifted the stone up and he went and got it checked and it was a diamond it was a very precious diamond and then that man he realized that there were acres and acres of diamonds in this land that he had bought there was that farmer And he thought he would sell his farm and go off and look for contentment elsewhere, searching for diamonds, when he already had acres of diamonds there at his very feet on the land that he already owned, searching for happiness. When this evening you're found in the gospel service once more, maybe listening into the gospel service again, where each week from this pulpit, not just by me, but many faithful men over many, many years, have stood and told you of the riches that the Lord Jesus Christ can offer you, the forgiveness for sin, the abundant blessings that comes from being a child of God, the knowledge that when this life is over or or if Christ should come first, that you'll be with him in heaven for all eternity. Where are you looking for contentment, dear friend? You know, happiness in this world and the things that we look for, they only fill the void for a little while. The Bible reminds us that the things that are in this world, they're just temporary. And we'll never be able to take them with us into eternity. This life is so short. And the Bible tells us that we must prepare to meet God. Caroline spoke to the boys and girls about preparation. And let me tell you, dear friend, if you're not saved tonight... You're not prepared to meet God. I wonder, are you ready to meet God? I wonder where you're looking for happiness. In the passage in Numbers tonight, we meet God's people. And I want you to see how these people, they were sinful people. Look at verse 5 again of Numbers 21. And we read, And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this like bread. Perhaps you sit in the meeting tonight, maybe you listen in, and you're a little bit like the Israelites when it when they say the people speak against God. Maybe you're someone and really you're just here or you're listening in because someone has forced you here or to listen in. And maybe you've maybe no time for God. You've heard the message before. You've heard many faithful people tell you of your sin. You've heard of many faithful people telling you you need a saviour. But really you don't feel your need for the things of Christ. Well let me tell you something. Your sin is so serious. The Bible makes it clear that it's separating you from a holy God. The Bible makes it clear that if you don't turn to Christ and trust in him for salvation, that you're on your way to a lost eternity. The sin of the Israelites was marring and destroying their relationship with God. 
Listen, dear friend, tonight, God is holy. And he cannot be found in the presence of sin. And the only way that you will stand in the courts of heaven one day, the only way that you will be there one day, is if you place your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour. God loved the Israelites, but he hated their sin. And dear friend, God loves you tonight. You see, sin, it's a curse. It's a disease that every human has been born with. The psalmist reminds us that we were born in iniquity, that we were born in sin, and we fall very short of the standard of God. The devil has blinded people from the gospel message, and he causes people to doubt God's word. He causes people to doubt the Christian message, and he places other things in your way to trip you up, to stop you from finding true hope and true peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, don't let the devil have his way in your life tonight. He wants to prevent you from finding the way to eternal happiness and contentment in heaven. And as we meet the Israelites in our passage tonight, we find them and they're in doubt. They're doubting. They're doubting. They doubt the Lord. It says that they spoke against God. Look at verse 5. They speak against God. Maybe you're in a situation in your life and you aren't happy. And maybe like the Israelites, you're pointing to God and you're blaming God. If, if it wasn't for you, Lord, this wouldn't have happened. If you hadn't intervened, this wouldn't have happened. And maybe you feel that God doesn't care. Maybe you're looking around for answers and you just can't find them. Let me tell you, dear friend, the answer to the problems of this life are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has the power to deal with your problems, not to get rid of them, but to be with you and go through them with you. I could bring many a Christian up to this pulpit tonight and they could testify how the Lord got them through the most difficult and worst circumstances in their life. But the people, they doubted the Lord. They doubted the Lord, but not only that, they, they doubted the Lord's power. They doubted his power, they, they doubted his promise, they, they doubted his provision, and they doubted his plan. They accused the Lord of murder and malice and mistreatment. The people didn't believe what the Lord had told them as they were headed to this land of milk and honey. They, they were doubting the Lord's promise to them. Uh, they dreamt about arriving in that land, but oh how long their journey had been. And they were weary of life and they were weary of the journey and they were weary of carrying the emotional and physical and spiritual burdens. And now instead of turning to the Lord for help, they doubted him. But not only were they doubting the sinful people, they were despising. They despised the prophet. Look again, it says, and the people speak against God and against Moses. They despised God's salvation. They didn't believe God would save them from their despair and they were thirsty and they were hungry and they complained about it. They, they, were, they were despising God's supply. They didn't believe God could supply their every need. And what did God give and what God did give them? They despised. It says that they loved the bread. It wasn't enough for them. They wanted more. They despised God's servant. They didn't want to listen to the message of God. They didn't want to listen to the message of God that he was giving them through his servant Moses. I wonder tonight, do you despise the message of God's salvation? Maybe you feel that God's provision for you in this life hasn't been good enough. 
Maybe you even despise the servants of God. Maybe you don't like the message that they preach. They tell you about eternity. They tell you about heaven and hell. They tell you that they're a sinner and you're offended. They, they tell you that you have offended a holy God. They tell you of your need of a saviour and who you must trust. And how these people, dear friends, these Israelites, they weren't satisfied with God. They didn't fear God. They despised his work. They despised his work. They despised his will. They despised his servant. Dear unconverted friend tonight, the biggest mistake that they made was they stopped fearing God. And the Bible reminds me that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Dear friend tonight, you may not have that fear of God right now. But if you do not prepare one millisecond into eternity, you will know that fear of God in a very true sense. The people of Israel believed in God. Maybe you believe in God. There's no doubt about it, but they didn't fear God. Fearing God is so important. Realising that this word is so serious. I preach this each Sunday night, not for you to like me, but to point you to my Saviour. That's my responsibility. And when we fear God, pleasing him becomes our first consideration and our greatest joy. The fear of God was absent in the Israelites' life. They were a sinful people, and so are we. We have gone our own way. And how, these sinf- how there was these sinful people. But I want you to see for these sinful people, there was a sovereign punishment. There was a sovereign punishment. Look at verse 6. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Many of the people of Israel died. How the Lord sent judgment to the people because of their sin. He was punishing them for their sin. We are told that he sent fiery snakes among the people. It was divine judgment. It was the Lord who sent them. It was a deadly judgment. They were fiery serpents and they were biting and poisoning the people and they were dying. Not just was it a divine judgment sent by the Lord. Not just was it a deadly judgment for the people were dying. But it was a deserved judgment. God tells us in his word the wages what we deserve for our sin is death. It's made very clear in God's word that sin is serious. And sin has consequences. And how we must learn that tonight. That sin, your sin, has consequences. And we know already that each of us, we have sin in our lives. And we too deserve death. The wages, what you deserve for your sin is death. And if you continue to live without God, it will cost you everything. And if you read the book of Revelation... You'll, you'll read about the great white throne judgment. And on that day of judgment, those who have chosen to ignore the warnings that many faithful men and women of God have given, and what the Bible teaches, the Bible tells me that you'll be cast, if you don't trust, into the lake of fire. Revelation 20 and verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Sin costs. It comes with a serious penalty, an eternal penalty. 
If we ignore God and his word, the Bible teaches us we will be punished. Dear unconverted friend, there is a judgment day that is coming. And it may come sooner than you think. And how this sin, it cost the people of Israel everything. It was fatal and they bit the people and much people of Israel died. The Lord sent the judgment and only the Lord could remove it. Outside of divine intervention, there was absolutely no hope for the people. And the people, they came to Moses and they were terrified. And they needed to turn to God. And do you hear what they cry? Look at verse 7. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, Listen, here's confession. This is where you need to start. We have sinned. You need to come to the Lord and you need to say, I have sinned. And they go on and they say, For we have spoken against the Lord. And we've spoken against you, Moses. Pray to the Lord that he'll take away the serpents from us. They say we have sinned against God. Do you know one of the best places to start is to own your own sin. You see, you might say to me, well hold on a minute Peter, God is a God of love. He would never send someone to hell. He would never do such a thing. Well, I'm a good person. I have, I'm not a murderer. I've never stolen. I've never done some of the most horrible things that people in this world have done. Those people deserve to go to hell, not me. But the truth is that each and every one of us, we've got blood on our hands because we're guilty. We're guilty. We have disobeyed God's word. We have said things, done things, thought things that are contrary to God's word. Not one of us can live up to God's standard for he is a thrice holy God. Dear friend, you must realise tonight and come in your own heart and realise I am a sinner. And I need a saviour. Listen to the people after they had sinned. They said, we have sinned. This is our doing and God is angry with us and he rightly judges. But they plead for a solution. They realised their problem. They knew only God could help now. And then we read one of the most beautiful lines, I think, in this passage. In fact, one of the most beautiful lines in scripture that I love so much. Listening, end of verse 7. And Moses prayed for the people. I want you to know that whoever you are listening, and I've told you this before, I sat in a room behind me tonight and I listened to God's people praying for you. I listened to God's people praying for your salvation. I listened as my brothers and sisters called out to the Lord and asked that he would have his way in this meeting and would save you. God's people have been praying for you just as Moses prayed for the people. There are people in this fellowship and I want to tell you something else. It's not just in that wee room that they pray. It's in their own private times with the Lord. They get on their knees and they cry tears and they plead that the Lord will save you. We've considered the sinful people. We've considered the sovereign punishment. 
But finally, there was a saving provision. There was a saving provision. Look at verse 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten when he looks upon it shall live. Moses was told by God to create a bronze serpent and lift it up high on a pole so that all people in the camp could see it. And when people looked at it, they were cured from the poison. And you know, in the text that we read in John chapter 3 tonight, you know what it read? It said, even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, he is the only one that could be lifted up to save you and I from our sin. He was the only one who could unlock the gate and let us in. He was the only way to heaven and he was lifted up for us. The Lord Jesus Christ He is the rescuer. The Lord Jesus Christ, he took the place of the snake in our story. This bronze snake that was lifted up that the people had to look to. The Lord Jesus, he is the source of eternal life. The source of healing from sin. You see, eternity is closing in on you, dear friend. And you must ask yourself the question, where will I spend eternity? And you must realize that you need to be freed and cured from your sin. And Christ is the answer. If you have an appointment with death tonight, or the Lord Jesus were to return, would you be found ready for eternity? The Bible makes it clear there's two destinations when we leave this earth. We either will go to heaven to be with God forever. If we continue in our sin, we'll end up in that place of torment called hell. The people of Israel were dying. And God told Moses to lift up the bronze serpent. And if they looked, they lived. In numbers, the one who saves is God by the means of a snake. And in John, the one who saves is God by the means of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear friend, you must look to Jesus and live. In Isaiah 45 and verse 22, we read the words of the Lord Jesus. He says, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. You know, I'm going to finish and I'm going to read you an excerpt from one of Charles Spurgeon's sermons that I read and I just couldn't reword it because I thought he just got it bang on. This is what he said. The way of salvation is so simple. You come as you are. The Lord says, look, look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Now looking doesn't take a great deal of pain. Doesn't require toil or work. You you don't even need to move your foot or your finger. It's just simply look. You you don't need to go to university to learn to look. You you don't need to go to school to learn to look. You don't need to be rich to be able to look. It doesn't matter. Even a child can look. But But the Lord doesn't just say look. He says look unto me. The Lord Jesus says, look unto me. And many of us simply look to ourselves. And we look to fill our own lives with what pleases us. It's all about I. It's all about me. But you aren't going to get yourself to heaven 
And I am not going to get myself to heaven except the man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God. There's no point in looking at yourself. You won't find any comfort there. No. You must look to Jesus. The Lord Jesus says to you, dear unconverted friends, and I look unto me, I'm swelling great drops of blood. Look unto me, I am despised and rejected by men. Look unto me, I took the punishment for your sin and I can set you free. Look unto me, I'm hanging on the cross for you in your place. Look unto me, I'm dead and I'm put in the tomb. Look unto me, I rose again. Look unto me, I have ascended to heaven. Look unto me, I'm sitting at the Father's right hand. Oh, poor sinner, look unto me and be ye saved. Dear friend, if only you could realize that your victory has already been won in Christ tonight. Oh, if you could realize that those, those acres of diamonds, that those acres of blessings are sitting available to you right now. If only you would come to Christ. He can save you right now. Just where you are. Just look to him. But don't delay. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation.